0: From the Anti Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti Up Poker Cast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker Chris Casenza and Scott Long.
2: It's November 1st, 2019, not really today late, but, and you're listening to the best Anti Up podcast on the sea. I'm Scott Long, Chris Casenza is pruning a tree somewhere. And uh, we are aboard the Adventure of the Seas at the very end of a fantastic eight-night cruise. And um, we got a interesting panel of folks here. we got a uh, long-time cruiser. we got a first-time Up cruiser. Elliot, of course, is here. And then, of course, me in the background. So we well, just kind of go around and introduce yourself so everybody knows who matches the voice. So we'll start here with
0: Yeah, it's Tom. Sean Hamstra from Michigan. I've been listening to Up for like 10 years. First 10 years? Yeah. Excellent. Wow. First time on the cruise. Yeah, in that first year I spent the whole time catching up on all
2: that. And you uh you brought your wife and it's your yeah. eighth wedding anniversary, is that correct? Yep. Yep. Wow, congratulations.
0: Yeah. So we went on a cruise on our honeymoon, now we're back here. Very so, nice. Yeah, it's been a lot
2: of fun so far. Good. Good. I should have asked you that before I add you on the show. But <laughs> I took a little chance there. But all
3: right, Joe, tell people who you are. Joe Bull, a long time cruiser, probably the tenth or eleventh. Can't count which one anymore. Oh you've been
2: on more than that, I think. Yeah, but easily. well, yeah. just Andy, yeah. We've had thirty six cruises already, so
3: uh-huh. I've only done, I think, ten. Mm, I'm gonna
2: double check that math when we get home. But yeah. all right, sounds. Loaded. We'll say at least ten. At least ten, at right? Least 10. Easily. <laughs> all right, Elliot.
1: Hi there. I'm Elliot Schechter, a long-time uh, call the floor columnist for Any Up Magazine, contributor to the podcast, and a uh, long-time cruiser. Uh, uh, my shipboard uh, the life has been pretty good, and well, glad to be here.
2: All right, well, I like about this uh, little panel, let's call it, <laughs> you randomly put together here we. Sean's on his first up cruise, about a long-time listener. Joe's on his more than 10th cruise, I'm sure, I promise you. So he can give you that long-term perspective. Elliot's been on probably this five or six. This is number 35, six, uh, about an Antioch number Antioch, though. seven for up. Seven on up, and, of course, I've been on 34 of the 36, so <laughs> I outrank you all but uh so here's what we're going to do we're going to talk about the cruise a little bit we we've, we've had a lot going on this last uh seven nights um and give you a little flavor of the cruise from all kinds of perspectives in case you're thinking about joining us in the future uh but I always like when Elliot's available to chat so we can chat about some industry stuff cuz uh I know you guys love firing off call the floors in fact uh Sean you were just on the show a couple weeks ago was it a call for or a listener uh, both. Both, all right. Cause, Cause, yeah, yeah that, both, had so. that bounty, That's
0: bounty right. that
2: was split. And uh, we may have uh, Jonathan joining us, too, who was on that same show with you as well, too. But he's right now uh, railing his wife, who's uh, in the final three of the main events. So didn't win it. Take uh, them away from that. So <laughs> I was out in six. Out in six. Oh, uh, yeah. all right. Well, uh, the here's the thing: when you go home, just tell folks you final table the main event. They're never going to ask you how many people yeah, or whether you made go. any money or not. So there you go. Um, all right. So um, I, just a couple things I'll say from my perspective on this cruise. One, this is a cruise that I've been waiting for since we uh, we I first saw it on the schedule, and I immediately sent our agent the information, and I'm like, God, I hope we get this uh, as. Uh, folks listening probably don't know it's actually really difficult to book these cruises so uh, at the beginning of the year i put together a list of all the itineraries that we can go on obviously we use the history of which ones have sold well in the past which ones haven't and narrowed it down we check our competitors make sure we're not overlapping although interestingly enough uh tomorrow card player leaves from the same port that we're coming in <laughs> and next week ship it cruises leaves from uh the same port we just came in so those folks don't play nice like we do, but um, anyhow, so it, it's very complicated, and then also we have to deal with the fact that um, if another group has booked the conference center space, and it's not a poker group always, sometimes it's uh, sowers or somebody else, so well, we, don't, players, uh, players. we don't always get our first choice. Sometimes we don't get our first five choices, so we have to do what we can, but this one I really wanted to get. I'm glad we got it, and the reason I liked it is it's that really rare eight-night cruise that we don't have. Haven't had before, and it's a weekend to weekend, so folks that have jobs, I feel bad for you guys. But uh, for those of you who have real jobs, uh, you only know, have to take five days off of work to to come on here. And then great ports that we don't haven't uh, that we have made it to in a long time. So I want to talk uh, with our, our guests here about the experiences they had. Um, now, from my perspective, we went to four ports, uh, Labadee, which is Royal Caribbean's private oasis. I keep calling it an island because it's not an island, but it's an oasis, I guess they call it. Um, and then um, San Juan. Puerto Rico, and then uh, Saint Thomas and the Brit- uh, United States Virgin Islands, sorry, and then uh, uh, Saint Martin, uh, Dutch Island, um, all fantastic times. Uh, interestingly enough, is we haven't get to, we don't get to these folks uh, these places very often, and I spent three of them just sitting on the beach. So <laughs> I could have gone anywhere and done that, uh, but we had a fantastic time in San Juan. Elliot and I did, and then some of our other staff uh, played archery tags, Yes, well, something I didn't even know existed until. Sounds dangerous. We've created the Hunger Games. Yeah. The odds
1: be ever in your favor.
2: So if you haven't heard of tag, which I hadn't, uh, you get a bow and arrow. And uh, Joe was there to watch it. He didn't uh, participate. But uh, uh, you get a bow and arrow. But the arrows actually have big marshmallows on the end. Not real marshmallows. But they look like marshmallows, so you don't really hurt yourself too badly. (laughs) Although... We got tagged once or twice and and thought about it, but it's yeah. nothing like dodgeball. No, I play with that at home, no, so much less harmful. Um, yeah, uh, full
1: cardio workout. Mm, yes, wow, yes, it's calories. it's not
2: made for old folks like us. I'll promise you that. And then uh, of course we get done, and our guide, who is like what twelve, yeah, told yeah. us about this uh, Puerto Rican moonshine shot that we could take. Mm-hmm. And of course we we did all, we did that. Um, and then uh, Elliot and then other folks went on the excursion. That uh, I'll leave it up to them if they want to talk about it. Um, I didn't want to do it. Um, I had a wonderful dinner and then finished up my favorite, scar uh, shop. So that was a great day for, for us. So I don't know if you guys want to talk a little bit more about that day and Sean, I don't know what you did in San Juan, but, um, yeah, yeah, you know, we did, was...
0: we did a food tour.
2: Oh, oh, there we go. It was actually That's really that. good.
0: Yep. And we did another one in St. Martin. Two so, food tours. All yeah, right. San Juan nice. one was, was better. They went through, we just did a walking tour through all of it. The guy was great. Gave and how many uh, places did you go? Uh, three places. So there's kind of an appetizer. Uh, meal and dessert and there's drinks at all of them so it was, it was big fan of drinks at all of yeah, them yes good. uh so what was the entree of course uh i don't know how to say it but it was plantains and uh this chicken and and rice it's okay. some fancy name for it. we actually matched it ourselves. Oh, wow. yes yes mofongo yeah,
2: that's it i didn't know what that was until this trip either but <laughs> my dining companions loved it fantastic so. yeah that's good did you do anything i saw sure you did a food tour where st martin as well st martin Okay. yeah yep that one's pretty good too um
0: not as many drinks, but uh, but yeah, we stopped at fabulous. a beach at the end, which was beautiful, gorgeous beach out out of ways, not the one by the airport. No, no we, airport we drove beach through for you. That okay. one, that one was terrifying. We didn't stay there. <laughs> it's only like yes. three feet wide. Well, yeah. Here's <laughs> an interesting
2: thing um, <laughs> oh, God, that I was yeah. I was interested to see is obviously the hurricane came through what uh, two years ago, right? Yes. And um, devastated all these islands. Um, the one that got the most press, I think, was Puerto Rico, of course. Um, and I had to re- be rem- reminded when I got here that San Juan wasn't the brunt of that, right? So when I got off the ship in San Juan, I was very impressed to see. I could see almost no damage at all. I mean, anywhere we went, I didn't see too much. But well, St. Okay, Thomas is really a different story. St. Thomas, and uh, St. Martin a little bit, too. Tight. And the two things I noticed the most were the beaches, because I've been to both those beaches before, and they don't exist anymore. <laughs> There's, yeah. There is a little tiny the, strip of sand.
1: Exactly. It's, yeah, it moved all of the sand away. There was nothing to walk on. Hopefully it comes back for them soon, but.
2: Yeah, it was definitely.
1: Uh, our driver said that the uh, beach
3: he expects within the next rainy season to have it, all that sand come back. Cause oh, okay. It, it has in the past, and that's what he was telling us. Hmm. So that should be nice when you get back out there and have some room.
2: Yeah, <laughs> And It's interesting you mentioned driver. One of my Uber drivers in San Juan was actually in a Puerto Rican boy band, um, the Salsa Kids. Salsa Kids. He
1: was pretty had uh, yeah, pretty good voice. Pretty too. darn good, actually. Yeah. So. Seemed a little you know, bitter, but never yeah, had a celebrity cool. Uber driver
2: before. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I asked him if he keeps in touch with the other Salsa Kids, and I got a very Point firm no. no. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know what happened with the the Salsa Kids there, but. Um, and uh, so, Sean, what do you guys do in St. Thomas? Anything? Um, out of the Wisconsin ordinary beach.
0: Beach, okay. Yep, just walked around a little bit.
2: All right, uh, yeah, St. Thomas,
0: uh, a lot to do there. I found yeah, we, actually, we took the taxi across to the other side, to okay. The, the Ma- Megan Beach, okay. There. Yep, so that, that was nice, was yeah, nice yeah. But the driving was crazy, terrifying wow. Up through the mountains around all these. Car- Welcome to the Caribbean. <laughs> uh, just want to make sure their brakes worked, uh, yeah, that's a gamble there.
1: <laughs> Plus, they, yeah, no stop line, no stop uh, lights, no stop mm-hmm. signs. In a very free form driving.
2: Yes. All yep. I'll part of the experience, though. Absolutely. All right. Well, on board, we we played a lot of poker. Um, I actually played a little bit more than I expected to play. And finally, I got to play with Sean last night, which felt good. Um, and so we had an interesting discussion right before the show, too, about um, right before the main event, uh, whether I was going to play or not. And I, I tend not to play tournaments on board. I try not to play cash games, really, to be honest, unless I need be needed to to get games going or keep them going or, or last night when... My seat's not needed, but, um, it is an interesting challenge that Chris and I have had over the years of we've got any of fans that listen to the show or read the magazine or what otherwise know us and come on and are looking forward to playing with us. And then we have a lot of passengers who don't know us from dirt. <laughs> Other than we're the owners of the company and now we're sitting down to take their money. Um, and I never like my my passengers to feel uncomfortable, so we err on the other side of not playing as much. But uh, unfortunately, that means we don't get to play as much with the folks that want to play with us. So uh, we at least got a couple of good hands last night. We traded yeah. chips back and forth, right? So yeah, I don't remember exactly. who got the best of who, but
0: you had the Casanza on one of them. That's right.
2: Yeah. Fuck me there. A <laughs> ten suited. Yeah. Love it. Oh god. <laughs> but um, I
0: certainly remember <laughs> aces over your queens. Yes, so.
2: that is right. Yes. So that I won't forget tit for tat yeah <laughs> um all right well let me uh let me ask uh, Sean your first time on the cruise so yep. what were your expectations coming in what were the reality yeah. of it and how does that compare because I know we have folks out there who have probably been thinking for 10 years like you have about coming on a cruise and yeah yeah I was pleasantly surprised
0: um much more like home game friendly feel which is such a relief especially when you're on a cruise you don't go in there and just be super intimidated right. and have to be super serious all the time but Great group of people, a ton of people that have been here before, surprised. I don't even know if I found anyone that hadn't been on here. (laughs) I know there are a few, though. There are some, yes. Um, But yeah, the the friendly game atmosphere was awesome. The other thing that I hadn't heard of before were the Survivor tournaments, Mm -hmm. where everybody starts and play for two hours, and whoever's left splits the money, which I... Cached in both. Excellent. Maybe that's why I like them. But and maybe we'll get over the was, show in time for you getting the next. Yeah, one. it was just interesting. I've never done that format before, so that was pretty cool. Um,
2: so, Elliot, from an industry standpoint, I mean, survivor tournaments aren't very popular in actual casinos, right? And they they make sense for us here on the cruise because we need a finite end time, which is why we do it. Uh, you generally only find them uh, as part of
1: uh, a scheduled event on a tournament series. Okay. Uh, you will find plenty of. Uh, survivors, whereas you play down to the 10% of the field as opposed to having a time limit. Mm. Right, Uh, right. The time limit tournaments... Almost like a satellite. uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They have basically kind of fallen off for the most part. All right. Not a common format anymore.
2: And you made an interesting suggestion, and I'll be interested to see what Joe and Sean have to say about this. Uh, We've never done this way. We've always done a survivor where uh, you play for two hours, and no matter how many chips you have left, you split, split the prize pool evenly with everybody else. So if you have one million in chips and somebody else has five and chips, (laughs) you both get the same amount of money, right? Of course. Um, This cruise, it's it's interesting to me. It's very interesting to me. This is our 36th or 37th cruise, something like that, and all of them are completely different. It seems like we can ever predict the crowd until we get on board. This this crowd was a lot of cats hanging on to the curtains, right? Yes. There, there weren't a lot of like uh, aggressive get the money in and get out quick. There were people holding on. They and were
1: in, hoarding yeah. their last chip like it was worth platinum.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. Now you get it. I get it in the survivor because you know again you you only need that last chip, right? You don't need more than one chip.
1: You just but need you that last chip. You have to survive. The blinds.
2: You have to survive, right? So your your suggestion, which uh, I'll, I'll see what Joe and Sean want to say uh, about this, is to. Combine our bounty tournament with the survivor tournament. So uh, the other on our longer cruises, we do uh, bounty tournaments, uh, green ship bounties. Um, but um, so your your idea is that that would kind of encourage a little bit more action. Correct? Um,
1: yes. When I format survivor tournaments, we always put fifty percent of the money in the pool and fifty percent in the bounties. So not only does it encourage you to actually continue to play in the tournament, but it it actually it, Vastly increases the action. Uh, the more trips you accumulate, the more people you eliminate. Uh, the more bounties you collect, you can theoretically, through the use of bounties, get more than first place had there not been a a sharing system in place.
2: Plus, you're also forcing people out of the tournament, so we don't have a nine-way chop, which we Absolutely. had yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so you make more money that way. Mm-hmm. So, what do, what do you kids think about uh, adding the bounty element to the Survivor?
3: I think it's not a it's a good idea because. What I've seen, and I benefited on one of the trips from that, was someone just, I mean, just sitting there not playing, holding their cards like they're thinking, and then walking into the uh, that final four or five minutes and then cashing when in reality, you know, he should have played three or four more hands. Sure. And they would have been forced to play their blind, and that might have changed the outcome and knocked a few more people out.
2: Well, I think interesting, yesterday I watched the end of it, too. We had one woman who had one chip left one chip, yeah. and was waiting and for the blinds to get blind. around, right? So, um, and, and she survived, and I felt good for her. She seemed very excited, too. And everybody at the table seemed very excited. Yeah, group that group was too night, friendly. Right? <laughs> exactly, right? But if you have that that bounty element in now I'm gonna guess there's somebody at the table was not gonna be that nice in those last couple of hands, knowing that if you raise and get her to commit uh, you pick up an extra bounty and and split that price for eight ways <laughs> instead of nine ways so um so yeah, I think we're gonna think about that in fact, actually uh Ramsey our poker manager um we've um we spent some time with Elliot yesterday talking about all the tournaments, I think we're gonna revamp um. All of them in some way. So I'll throw out some ideas because you've, been, Joe, you've been on 47 cruises, even though you say it's only 10. <laughs> um, so we always do a $100 uh, main event, which is what's going on now, which we give the most chips. But comparatively to your normal casino tournament, we we know we don't give you that many chips. But as Elliot will be the first to point out, it doesn't matter how many chips you start with; it's the structure and the chips. So That's right. you could how give somebody are blind
1: levels. What are the blind levels? Uh, much more important than the actual starting stack. We're starting with a million chips, but if the blinds are uh, 50,000, 100,000, you're yeah. not
2: starting with anything. You're <laughs> right? not starting with anything, right? And, uh, and you have a tournament you were telling us about uh, up at uh, Hollywood Toledo that's uh, 60,000 60, starting Uber, if stacks? you're listening,
1: will still take sponsorship. I emailed you twice. <laughs> you still haven't replied. Uh, 60K starting stacks, 10-minute blind levels. Uh, first blinds are 100, 100. Uh, and it goes well. Uh, it's easily our most popular evening tournament of the week.
2: And you get, what, 60, 70 or so players? We usually roughly? get between
1: 60 and 70 okay. sometimes. And it's
2: about a four-hour, five-hour tournament, um, right? Just about four hours. Okay. Which is exactly what we try to do on the cruise ship and the, uh, uh, with probably fewer players, depending on.
3: So, so you've changed the blind structure to fit the time you no. want at
1: the end? No, 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 no. That's just, uh, just uh, how it trials. Yeah, yeah. we think we played it over so many months, and that was the average length of tournament. We didn't plan on having a four-hour tournament. My sk- my dealers scheduled for eight hours. I mean, <laughs> that doesn't happen there all eight hours, but that's the way it turned out, and it works out perfectly. The players are fine. They still got to go to work the next morning.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, you're right, because that's what a lot of players, when they say they want to play a long time, don't necessarily mean that. And when you give them a bunch of chips, because it's like yeah, I got chips to play with now, but it's if the structure is such it's still going to end in roughly four mm-hmm. or five hours, I think that's ideal, because mm-hmm. yeah. I'm one of those crazy ones that likes all the friggin' chips. Well, you're not the crazy <laughs> one. I,
2: I, I don't think you'd find too many poker players that yeah. wouldn't rather have more chips than fewer chips, right. and I also don't think you'd find all that many recreational players, which is what we attract on the cruise, that really understand how the structure changes that, so... We Give you a hundred thousand chips, which we're actually thinking about, we probably won't go that far. But, um, uh, I, I would imagine our players would be ecstatic, even mm-hmm. though the tournament's still going to at the same yeah. time because that, that structure is not going to be the same structure that we use now. But, um, but it is kind of the reality of poker now that, uh, over the last what probably 10 years, probably less than that, maybe where it's really gotten chip inflation, as I call it. Uh- it's yeah, just under ten years. Yeah, The Venetian came out with their deep stack events. Thank you. <laughs> and uh,
1: everybody else has pretty much had to follow suit. The World Series tried to hold out, but even they gave in, and now the vastly. But again, the interesting
2: part of that argument here. is that I know I've talked to a lot of operators who have been kind of upset with the Venetian about that. But but then to go back to your point, uh, the chip stack is just one element right. in it. So exactly, we can
1: alter the blind levels. We can alter the uh, the blinds themselves to make up for the fact that we're giving out way too many chips. Mm -hmm. And it's caused us to uh, uh, buy more high-end and high-value denomination chips, and now we're stuck with an inventory of low-value chips that are now collecting dust all over the place.
2: (laughs) So in a a real sense, that's the only downside, the only true downside for a casino in, in this chip inflation is, Having to buy chips and not use chips, yeah, right. Uh, Otherwise, as long as you adjust the structure and to the, whatever you want, the storage of said chips. Well, true. Uh,
1: yeah. Behind the scenes in casinos and in the cages, I mean, every cubic foot is accounted for. I mean, we don't, we can only store inactive chips for so long. I mean, we we eventually give them away as souvenirs. Hmm. But decommissioning chips is not an easy process in a, in a regulated casino.
2: No, in fact, actually, I heard some places you have to bury them in concrete and stuff. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
1: Yeah, or you have to. I'm shredded uh, under the supervision of of multiple gaming agents. I think I sort of fired. I I'd melt. Uh,
2: They're ceramic. Ceramic might not. Yeah, that's true. Well, you could turn them into a like ghost, like Patrick Swayze (laughs) and stuff. (laughs) Some pottery. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, so Sean, you're from um, Western Michigan, uh, and I know you play in a home game, right? Do you get to yeah. um, Fire Keepers or some other casinos often? Or uh, are Gun, you lakes, Gun, lake's the Gun likes the closest. Gun Lake's the closest, I mean, okay. Yeah, or right, advertising? Yes. A couple.
0: Yeah, I just noticed just the other day I sent you a message yeah. with that. They had an Andy Up magazine sitting there, which I hadn't seen before. And but what yeah. do
2: you play when you uh, go to the casinos? Are you a tournament, cash game, both? Uh, both. Lately
0: I've been playing cash game, but just to get ready for this. I don't. I normally play just home games, okay. so I've been getting to the casino more to, to try it out and move up the stakes a little bit.
2: So a question for both you and Joe, in terms of the cash games that you guys play versus wherever you play them versus on the ship, what what are some of the differences that you would say for folks that are at home wondering about coming on? Well,
3: I've been playing a lot more home games um, rather than going up to the casino, which I used to do tournaments. I always played tournaments when to I uh, casino so the one we play one three here versus one two at home and it's it's just a little bit bigger for me anyway it's a little bit you know a little bit bigger game that i'm still trying to get comfortable playing
0: yeah see for me at my casino we're playing smaller here with the one three okay it was common at my casino for raises to be a 10 15 at least for opening raise here they're seven eight ten sometimes or more yeah of course but i was a little intimidated at first i was thinking it was gonna be a big game but yeah, no, i've been buying in for 200 and, and playing real comfortably yeah the other comparison for me like i said before it feels much like more like a home game but then with all the professional stuff taken care of for yeah, you so right. it's super nice so it's like you got a bunch of friends there people you're just meeting but they're all super friendly and then yeah you got you're taking care of all of the dealers and and the floor and stuff. So.
2: Yeah, I think the first day on the open bar cocktail party, I was talking to your wife, and you you mentioned that you heard there were some, you thought there were some pros on board, right? Yeah, some. Has that played out? Yeah, I haven't. I, I, I've Judy, seen a couple Judy Judy good was players, but. that, I don't know. Okay. I haven't. No. I don't, yeah, I I don't did, think any of them are pros. <laughs> did not experience that myself, no. but I didn't play as much. Certainly, as you, there's okay, some so. good
0: players, yeah, but I don't, I don't think there are pros there. Yeah, just, and, and what I told you, you know, and I'll,
2: I'll tell our, our listeners at home, but they don't know this. I mean, we we purposely price our tournaments. Mm. Um, To discourage that kind of player from being on board. Obviously, we don't do a litmus test We don't ask you (laughs) your experience level when you book so I mean if you are a professional player you could book and come on but um, my experience with with folks that I know pretty well that are pros, when they ask me about coming on the cruise, they ask me about tournaments, and I'm like, "Well, our main event's a hundred bucks," and they they laugh at me, and I'm like, "Good, I'm glad you're laughing because I don't. <laughs> I like you. I like you to come on the cruise and have fun, but you're not the type of player I'm trying to attract. I'm trying to attract that that recreational player that's just coming on here and looking at fun, particularly on an eight night cruise, because we were talking about that just today. Um, starting to see that some folks bankrolls of evaporated towards the end of the cruise, which we don't normally see on a four-nighter. Uh, no, there's a few extra nights
1: they haven't accounted for when they uh, yeah uh, pack their wallets for the trip.
2: Yeah, um, that's a good point. No obviously, I, I imagine there are players that are winning, so they're all right, too. But, you know, on the edges, you haven't seen it. So, Joe, um, all right. So, again, uh, let's go with two, 10 cruises, even though we know it's more. Um, what have you noticed over the years in the changing of – of our cruises from players or how we've done it or anything is there anything that's changed for the?
3: I remember when it first came on, we were doing a lot of sit and goes right. and really people that were just starting to learn to play. Right, right. And I think now it's still a lot of recreational players, but they play more often. Maybe is the term to use. Right. I think I think they're more consistent players and. Yeah, we don't really see anybody that's quote a professional, but there's some people that play a tremendous amount of poker. Right. And but I, I think when you're at the lower level like this is, they can't play the same way they play that they're normally used to, and I don't think they have the big an advantage over this field because, I mean, just you know, short term luck has a an indicator during these these short cruises, and if you know. If you're playing regular, you don't have to get beat bad and you know, you got a good chance of walking with money. Doing all right. Yeah. Which I didn't do on this trip. <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: the other <laughs> interesting like, I was talking to a a first time couple that was on our cruise today and, and he was playing the main event. She was and she played a couple I think she played her twenty dollar rebuy, which I think we're gonna scrap <laughs> now going forward. Uh, But she was talking to me this morning about how she's um, – and we get a lot of these these spouses, not always women, sometimes men, yeah, that uh, know just enough to be dangerous, right? They, they know the hand rankings. They know how the blinds work, but they haven't played enough to really feel comfortable sitting even in a $20 rebuy tournament. Um, and one of the things that she was worried about is like, you know – Players don't know don't know how I'm playing because I don't even know how I'm playing. Um, and to my point, to her was uh, that makes you pretty dangerous, yeah. doesn't it?
3: It makes you very
2: dangerous. <laughs> I mean, got, no one wants to sit down and play against got, a pro, but
3: we got seven deuce playing this cruise. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. One lady's her favorite hand is seven deuce. Mm she's playing and she's kidding the in the in the, in the she's money in doing the final really event. Well. event. Yep.
2: <laughs> um all right so all right so Elliot, I mentioned I want to talk a little bit about industry. So one of the things I thought was interesting in, uh, in our conversations this week is that you're getting ready to run your first short deck tournament yes.
1: up at uh, Hollywood Toledo. Uh, so. we've had uh, plenty of our, uh, our our tournament players ask for it. They've seen it at other places, they've heard about. It. What is this short deck game? Well, uh, in short deck holdem Uh, There are a few new wrinkles. Uh, They take out everything below uh, below the six. So the deuces, trades, fours, and fives are out of the deck. So you're only playing with uh, 36 cards. Uh, I still can't get a a hand, I bet. It's really weird. And uh, to make the hands, there's two changes there. Uh, First, uh, the ace does wrap around uh, the lowest card, now the six to make the nine high straight, just like it wraps around the deuce to make a five high straight. Because remember, in poker, the ace is high. Unless you're playing specifically low or high-low, ace is high only. So to wrap it around, that was an invention that started a long time ago, way after the game started. So in this game, they continue it. And in the second part, because there's fewer of each suit, uh, flushes beat uh, full houses. Mm-hmm. If you, yeah, if you can get, remember, <laughs> you're getting, instead of 5 out of 13, yeah. you are now getting 5 out of 9. Uh-huh. If you get 5 out of 9, well, congratulations. Yes, <laughs> <that's>... You almost <laughs> hit the lottery. Honest. Right, yeah. Uh, I have never played the game myself. Uh, I've played it as stud, where you take out everything below the seven.
2: You Which I a, hadn't heard of until you mentioned that. That's
1: Asian stud is still being played in a couple card rooms in
2: California. Probably, yeah. That's to say uh, California, right? <laughs> it's annie,
1: dollar ante. Uh, the, and then they play the big game, $5 annie, And high card brings it in. Uh, and that's an exciting game. But I've never seen it as hold'em. I, I've heard about it and I've read about it. We're finally going to do it. Uh, the last wrinkle is there's no blinds. Mm. Uh, everybody antes, and uh, the player on the button, the uh, double ante. Oh, uh, okay. So every round starts from the first active left of the button.
2: All right. All right, so here's my my big question about that. I know that's kind of the new hot thing, but we've seen new hot things mm-hmm. every year for the last however long I've been in poker, right? Yeah. Apollo and Omaha
1: has been the game of the future for at least the last 35 <laughs> years. <laughs> at
2: least that one's been holding on, again, like the cat on the uh, curtains, right? But. Some of these other variations have disappeared pretty quickly. Or very least, quickly. At least disappeared from the casino environment, largely. Mm-hmm. Like, we thought Open Pace Chinese was going to be the next right. big thing. And Down River Hold'em. And only being played on any of Cruises. Now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Among the staff. But, uh, so, what do you think the staying power – well, crew actions. One, I'm surprised that Short Dick ever made it out of, like, California and Vegas. So, when you said it's coming to Toledo, Ohio, that, that means something to me, right? That means yeah, that it's already there's enough discussion already. that – it's, it's getting on there. So then what's what's the lifespan of, of Short Deck? Is this another I, fad like
1: we've seen or not? I think it's another short-lived fad. Okay. Uh, then I think the game is well-named Short Deck. I don't think <laughs> it's going to last a while. Uh, maybe. I don't even know if it'll last to the end of 2020.
2: Oh, all right. Yeah.
1: I mean, it doesn't seem to be catching on. It's catching on enough where people are asking about it. It's it's not catching on where all of a sudden you see a Short Deck term with 500 players. And
2: well, it is like everything else. So, I mean, you, you run your tournament at Hollywood mm-hmm. Toledo, and you might get 400 people. You might get 10, right? Exactly. So if you get 10, then it's mm-hmm. probably not going to be offered again, right? If you get 400, it's going to be on the weekly schedule, That's right? Darn right. So, uh, which I think is what happened with Open Face Chinese. Is everybody is excited playing at home, but when you actually had a…
1: Right. We played that one tournament, the Golden Nugget, yep. with 80
2: of our best friends. And, yep. And, well, they tried it one more time, and that was it. Done. So, yeah, yes. seen
0: it listed on Poker Go. There must have been some big tournament oh, really? for a short deck. And, yeah, I never knew what it was. And Hearing that now, it'd be con- too confusing for me. I mean, you catch on to it, but I don't have enough complications with, with Hold'em.
2: Well, one of the things I, I tell folks about these new games is if you're on the front end of it, you're going to clean up. Because at that point, you've got a lot of curious players. And I would admit I'm a curious player. I'll, I'll play anything if you teach me how at once, and I think it's interesting. Um, I'm obviously not going to be very good at it at the beginning, and if you were better than me and you've got a bunch of me's in the game, you're going to clean up until eventually the game dies. So um, so to that extent, if you're on the front end of these games, that's where your profit is, but, you know, eventually it's going to dry up. Uh, yeah. Or everybody's going to catch up to you to the fact that you're back to hold'em. <laughs> well. Well. Um, and not that hold gotten any easier either now. So. No,
1: it's gotten more difficult, but the, the knowledge difference is still not as great. You look at uh, – Pot Limit Omaha, the knowledge difference was uh, vast enough where the, the game didn't grow, it's just that the people who knew about it could survive. Right. Everybody else died off. I uh, The games were that's have not continued their existence, like Open Face, the knowledge difference was so great that the money accumulated to too few players and everybody else realized, this is not the game for me. Right. So, maybe Short Deck will hang on. I don't think it's going to have a a rosy PLO type
2: future. Right. All right. Well, let's talk about hold'em then, because we know that's never going to disappear. So never, please, and never. Interested to see because Joe has been playing. How long have you been playing poker,
3: Joe? Ten years.
2: Really? Okay, that's, only ten years. Well, okay. I
3: played cards when growing up, you know, stud, and, but never for money.
2: All right, and then Sean, you've been playing for how long since the boom? Since the boom, so So, all right, so fifteen-ish or so years, and you've been playing 80 years, just about. (laughs) Yeah, I had some work done. I'm looking a lot better. Again, I've been playing for maybe twenty years or so. So, uh, I was telling some people this last week. I'll be interested to see if you guys disagree with me, though. But um, obviously, I think we all agree that poker's changed a lot since we first started playing. Even ten years, it's changed dramatically, right? Mm -hmm. Um. One of the things that I really notice, what I tell people is, because if you're not a poker player, you you, you like to catch uh, latch onto these TV slogan things, right? Like poker face or bluffing and all that kind of, um, and, and reading people. Oh, he's got a poker tell, and um, and so what I've been telling folks is lately, I think not that that stuff's not important. It's still important. If you can get a tell on somebody and the physical stuff, that's still there, but the game to me seems like it's gotten way more, much more mathematical in the last couple of years than it ever has been. Um, obviously limited poker has always been a math problem, but no limit's a little different, right? So the players I see doing really well now are, are more, I think introverted maybe um, players yes. that, uh, that aren't as social as uh, the boom I mean, during the boom, right? We used to watch TV and we had all these characters on that, mm-hmm. that got us excited. I don't think, we're generating as many poker characters these days because the type of people that are playing now are, are math whizzes. Um, and math has taken on a, a much bigger, um, role in no limit hold 'em than it has in the past. So let me know if I'm wrong. I, I think you're spot
1: on. Um, most of the players are wearing sunglasses are wearing hoodies. They're not saying a word, realizing that they could possibly give away the least little bite of information. By doing anything other than just staring straight ahead or moving their chips forward. Uh, which has made the game less fun to play. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, while playing poker is not sociable, you're not there to be nice and give away money. It is social. It's played amongst people. And somebody coming in like that who doesn't enjoy the social aspect or participate in the social aspect of the game is... Basically playing online poker except in a casino, which yeah, much,
2: much mm-hmm. slower. <laughs> right, <laughs> they're all taking the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, which uh, makes the game much less fun.
3: So, Have you guys
2: yeah. seen that as well too, or is that a figment of Elliot and I's imagination?
3: I think it's a, a little bit higher level because yeah. okay. at the at the rec the real recreational level, all the guys I play would just play for fun. Most of them don't study the game. They they just they just come and play. Mm-hmm. And you try and give them information on some of the math and on some of the things they should be doing, and they don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they have no patience. They don't want to wait. They just they come down. The guys that come in on a infrequent basis because they can get to the game, right? They just come and basically throw money at the
2: table. Well, and and this is we talked about <laughs> this. It's not good. big money. It's yeah. not big money, but it's
3: you know, it's like yeah, they they're they're not worried about it. And sometimes it bugs me because I'll sit there for an hour and I'll play a hand. And yet the same three guys are playing between each other and nothing changes right. until one of them goes broke.
2: <laughs> well, I thought this was interesting. We did our, we brought back our strategy roundtable, which we used to do on a lot of cruises. And then people quit coming. And it's, uh, this cruise we had an entire day. We, we weren't able to open the poker room, but we had some time. So we brought it back. Unfortunately, not a lot of people showed up for it, but Joe was there, Elliot was there, I was there. And one of the things I, you mentioned Joe, I thought was interesting was that uh, you you are a consistent winning player in your home game with or, or these folks, but you don't feel like you're growing as a poker player, or or you could, or, or it's, it's different hard, when you get into other games.
3: It's hard to expand and right. move out of, out of that level game because I just never did it, and um. Before when I was playing tournaments, I was enjoying that, and I was moving up into some of the tournaments. But I just, I still didn't go often enough to put enough money out there to see
2: what the heck I'd really be. <laughs> so Sean, do you see that in your home game? Do you guys same same group of guys, or I should say, yeah, guys, same group of players, right? I don't know. If yeah, we were pretty
0: pretty big pool, with the same same dozen or so mainly play. Um, we got a, a couple guys that that are a little higher level, and those are always fun to tangle with. And then if you guys – well, like my dad, he just comes in and then – he doesn't know what he has, so he's yeah. really hard to play against. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He'd either win a lot off him or, or lose a lot to them. Um, but we have a healthy mix. And at the casino, too, I'd say about half of them are just recreation. They're for fun. They're socializing. The other half are serious. They're into the math. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm i afraid that's going to grow more because usually the, the younger guys that are, that are like that, and it's more the older generations that are a little more fun and they're not quite as – serious. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I like getting into the math too and, and having that at times.
2: But um, yeah, I see. I see quite a bit of split. Well, yeah, and I've talked about this on the show because I'm in this new Safety Harbor Poker Club where I live with all these players that aren't very skilled. But it's fun to go there with a twenty-dollar bill and four cans of Miller High Life and just remember what <laughs> the poker stuff. used to be, right? <laughs> and you know, if I if I win some money, that's great. If I lose twenty bucks, that's what I would have spent at the movies that night, right? So to to me, there's an element of of that. It's kind of cool that that's coming back in my life. At the same time, over the 14 years we've done this show, we get a lot of questions from home game people about that difficult step from moving from home game to playing in casinos. And I think that's one of the reasons that it's so difficult is you get used to playing with the same group of 10, 15, 20 guys, and maybe none of them or very few of them or fewer than you are trying to move up. They're just there. To have fun and it, I think it's very difficult in that situation to become a better player until you get out of that comfort zone and go play with some of the folks um even coming on a cruise when you're meeting mm. different styles even though it's not as yeah cutthroat as I it think might a lot of people would be
0: surprised though if they just get out there and play a little more the more you do it like like I said I started going to a casino a lot more right before this and yeah, I had to play for like at least an hour just fully and everything before I even felt comfortable to start getting yeah in there. and then by the end of the night it, it was feeling good and then and then here, too, especially when you get to know people. That's what makes it real fun, when they start to socialize with you, even if they are at a higher level or thinking really hard on stuff. The social I, players are what makes keeps the game alive and keeps, oh, keeps you playing. When you're sitting and, there and I think it's one of the things
2: that gets people into our room more often than that is the you know, first two or three days, you finally make friends, and then I mean everybody mm-hmm. seems to know everybody by their name in there. Uh, I was kind of feeling bad. Our our, our game last night was like a humble library. <laughs> I felt like I wish we could get the conversation <laughs> yeah, going. Yeah, was, right. was tired. Never, tired. never good, right. but I think that might be what it is. But I, I think that's a rare example here. I mean, usually when I'm walking around the room, even not playing, like, all the uh, the tables are – have some good conversations. And not just about uh, how many lobster tails they had at dinner that <laughs> night, but, you know, about real life's kind of stop. So, um, um, all right. So, Elliot, anything else from the industry that we have with the, any, any new trends, anything that um, – things you're worried about? We got the big uh, blind Andy kind of sorted out. I know you had a – Change your mind a little bit on that, right?
1: Uh, Well, I didn't change my mind so much as I uh, went with our corporate directive. (laughs) Uh, uh, Having spent the the good good chunk of my playing uh, in actual stud games, uh, I was always uh, for ante first as opposed to ante last. Uh, Ante from the Latin before. (laughs) means it's supposed to go before anything else. It's supposed to start the pot so that when the cards are actually out, there's something to play for. So I was totally in favor of it. I uh, went along to go along. I mean, I I didn't want to be giving out a different product than any of our sister properties. I work for a pretty big company. Uh, But I was very happy to see that we were able to, at least this year, coalesce around uh, changing the rule and adopting uh, Annie first, which is the way it should be. Um, I hope it stays there. I know a couple of casinos are, are really hesitant to make that change they're holding out yep. they're really holding out even whether it's button Annie or, or whether it's Annie last uh, I Don't think it's right, uh, especially in a game where you you can have no no player on the button Why would you want a button Annie now? There's less chips in the pot sure uh, And again for Annie last uh, Sir you can re-enter uh, Everybody else paid your ante. it's your time to pay their Annie. It's it's very very fair uh, there's nothing fair about letting you have all the action but not covering the ante for all the players who covered, covered your ante. So uh, I'm completely in favor, and I'm glad we made the change. I hope we stick to our guns.
2: All right, one more thing I wanted to ask you about, too, that we're starting to see is the selling of casinos to real estate investment trusts, and then leasing them back to the casino companies, right. which I think is an interesting development because... Um, uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie The Founder with Michael Keaton about the history of McDonald's Mm -hmm. where somebody, of course, it's the Hollywood version, right, but they encouraged him that his business isn't selling hamburgers. His business is owning the land. Absolutely. Um, So now we're seeing the exact opposite going in the casino industry where casino operators are realizing, hey, our expertise isn't in owning the land. Our expertise is running casinos. So do you see that as a trend that's going to continue, or is that just more the financial realities of these big companies that are – Uh, I think yes to
1: both. Uh, I work for uh, Penn National Gaming, which uh, owns the original trust, uh, Gaming and Leisure Properties, GLPI. Uh, The two other main trusts are VICI, which is uh, Caesar's uh, real estate trust, and MGM's uh, trust is the third. Between the three, they pretty much own almost all of the land and facilities uh, in which 70 to 80% of the casinos in the country operate at this point. Uh, The other 20% are either the few independents left or the Indian casinos, which have no reason to sell. They already own everything, (laughs) including the land. Uh, They're doing it for taxation purposes. They're also doing it for uh, capital expense uh, upkeep. Uh, These companies have been fairly active in the mergers and acquisitions uh, uh, game, and That has left them with not a whole lot of spare change left to actually uh, update and maintain their properties. (laughs) Uh, So they're doing what seems to be the equivalent of taking out second and third mortgages, uh, borrowing against the equity of their homes so they can finally keep them up to maintain shareholder value. Uh, I don't know how much more I should comment
2: other than explaining this. Uh, well, let me ask you a question what, what's what's the reality for players in all this because i think a lot of times players don't really understand you know you if you're a player you, you go to a casino you stand on a poker table and you play poker you you don't you're not concerned about this corporate hierarchy or well, any of that kind of stuff is there any real effect on on players in this um this development there can
1: be because <laughs> and i have experienced this firsthand um I work in a casino, and now I work in two casinos, where we don't own (laughs) uh, what we're standing on or what we're hanging stuff on. So if I want to hang a television or a a painting or a picture or I want to change the furniture, uh, I have to run it up a pretty high flagpole. Yeah, okay. I have to ask the owners of the building, not just the people I work for. Hmm. So, yes, uh, players may see some changes, and it may not all be great because you may be waiting longer to see things done, but when they are changed, they'll be fun. They'll be fantastic. Uh, things will be kept up much, much better. Uh, Caesars was notorious for uh, letting some of their facilities go because they just couldn't uh, put money into the capital expense budget. They had to pay interest. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, a lot of places will see uh, fantastic improvement and we'll see a great effect of somebody else owning the building and having that liability. Uh, For the most part, uh, nothing will operate any differently. Uh, The companies that are operating the casinos are licensed to operate. They uh, will keep doing things the same way they have been doing, and mostly it's been successful. Uh, So there shouldn't be a whole lot of change. Uh, Some change will take longer, but most of it will be pretty good, actually.
2: All right. So, one last question before we we quit. Uh big debate in the poker world over re-entry tournaments, late late registration. That's been going on. Um Matt Savage is uh kicking off a, a big uh, no late entry, no re or one no re-entry same flight series now and he just put out uh on Facebook and I assume on Twitter too. Uh hey players, this is what you asked for. You need to show up and actually Make it work, because if you don't make it work, we gotta go back the other way. So uh, let me ask uh, Joe and Sean: what, what what are your thoughts on late entry, re-entry? Are they important to you as players? If they disappeared, would you be upset? I would
3: not be upset with them going away. I the one entry or two, I don't mind a second entry, um, and I don't mind allowing people to come in within like the first hour. Me Even on a really big tournament, I think two hours is like kind of pushing it. And now they're going seven and eight levels and ten sure. levels, and, and that just it turns me off when I go to play them because it's like, you know, you're playing against the same guy three times. Right. No, I, it, it's not right.
2: It's, not like, but an an archery it's like archery tag three times. Like archery tag with a medic. Yeah. Like, hey, I already shot you well, with my marshmallow. Three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. All right, Sean, so what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't really mind the, the late late entry. Um, I haven't really experienced too much of the re-entry okay. until now. I was a little confused here on the, the Survivor, um, but mainly I've only just dealt with rebuy. Yeah. To me, that's very straightforward. If there's a re-buy, you're gonna re you're going to re and I hadn't really even, I mean, I've heard about it in the poker world, but I hadn't experienced the, the re-entry thing. Um, it'd be nice if at least some tournaments that wasn't there, you know, so that players just get one shot, and all all just go for it. Um, that's what I've always liked, but I don't really have a big problem either way.
2: All right, so, Elliot, from the uh, industry standpoint, if, if, if Savage wins on this and runs a – pulls this off and players respond to it, is that enough for I'm wishing spread? Them
1: all the success in the world. Uh, we're in a different age. There's casinos everywhere. Back in the day, there were only tournaments in Mississippi and Nevada and California, and, well, you traveled to the tournaments and you were already there. Well, now you're driving – two, three, four, five hours to a casino and driving back. It's a big difference. If somebody's a few minutes late, 20 years ago, they weren't getting in the tournament. Well, now if they're driving through an ice storm and they finally make it to your place, I'm not in the mood to tell them no. As <laughs> <clears throat> far as re-entry concern is concerned, from my perspective, it's a negative because now you really can't budget your labor. You can't decide how many labor hours you're going to need to complete a tournament. You're not going to really have a handle on how many chips will be in play. It makes it a little more difficult. Yes, it's a challenge. Uh, That being said, remember from the player's perspective, if a guy has re-entered 10 times, he doesn't have 10 stacks in front of him. He's got one stack. That means he donated nine (laughs) nine buy-ins to the prize pool. Please do not be upset if somebody's re-entering constantly. (laughs) It's good for you. It's bad for him. He is underlaying the field. He he has to finish so far ahead of, of the minimum cash to actually get his money back He's only helping you. On the other hand, he's hurting the casino. Let's face it. It's going to take us a lot more time to get this tournament done. There's more chips in play. Sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, I hope he's successful. I hope it works. L.A. has how many millions of people living there? yeah. With how many millions visiting on an annual basis? If it's going to work,
2: it's going to work there. I was going to say, I mean, that's the biggest uh, lab beaker you can have for Mm -hmm. it, right? So – uh, I mean, you could try this at, at Gun Lake, you could try this at Toledo, you can try this at, at even some of our places in Florida, but if it works there, it doesn't mean it's going to work everywhere. No. And this doesn't mean it's going to work everywhere either, but at least you're getting a, a much bigger sample size than I think you would in some of these other places. So.
1: No. Well, and that brings us to the other you know, end of the equation, the prize pool and the guarantee. Right. If you limit the entries... You have to limit the guarantee, <coughs> mathematically. <coughs>
2: Excuse me. It's just like starting chips at construction. Right. They work in tandem, right?
1: Yeah, Darn right. So, um, the other big thing, of course, with inflated chip levels is pretty nice-sized guarantees on, on major tournaments, especially out in California. Well, if you're limiting entry, you can only put in so much money in a prize bowl and get a guarantee so big, so. Hopefully the players can be satisfied playing a tournament with egads, no guarantee. <laughs> oh, no, this guy is falling. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yes, I, I, I hope it's successful. I'd love to rip some guarantees off these tournaments. Uh, part, part of, tournament part of me playing. wonders
2: this, and I, I wonder how much you've thought about this too. I wonder how much the guarantee is actually mean to recreational players. I mean, obviously for pros that are trying to plan their travel and they, they do this for a living, I get that. They, they want to know there's going to be a prize pool there. I honestly don't hear and maybe Joe and Sean can disagree with me on this. I actually don't hear a lot of recreational players or um or even a step above recreational that sit around and and worry about a guarantee I, uh, I think they if they want to play a tournament they're going to play a tournament, and if there's a big guarantee that's great but i, I don't i don't I've never heard anybody at my level say i'm not going to play that because it's only fifty thousand guarantees that uh, you're on to a lot of it uh most recreational players
1: are not worried about the what the final outcome is going to be. But they certainly are attracted by something that is uh, what, what would be a good deal to anybody. Oh, oh. yeah. Let's say, like, and,
2: a, I've never owned a new car. I bought one for my wife a couple of years ago, but I've never owned one myself. I get all the little shiny new mm-hmm. things that it does, the, uh, the, the collision blinkers and all that kind of stuff, um, and I like it. But i get back in my 2002 car that has none of that right and you know what it drives just fine so well, I,
1: i'll give you first-hand experience uh at hollywood casino toledo i'll say that very clearly <laughs> uh several times a year we uh, run uh, major events and the opening event is always something priced in the same range as a daily tournament okay and we put a phenomenal guarantee on it so it attracts a lot of players who are recreational, who would not no- normally worry about this, but all of a sudden, they see the same the same price tournament they're playing every single week of the year all of a sudden, as a guarantee, 100 times what normally okay. would pay. That makes they're sense. They're very attracted by it. Right. right. They're not... They're not thinking about, oh, well, this translates into exactly 12,700. Per- no, they're not even worried about any of that. But so all in that sudden, sense, realize- you're
2: saying that players that otherwise might be on the couch that night mm-hmm. or at a baseball game or a movie theater now because of the guarantee you're actually going to play. Yes. It's not so much a main event where they're probably going to play no matter what that exactly. guarantee is, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I think I can put some perspective on it, too, for recreational players, just who aren't thinking about, oh, they'll probably have this many entries, this much money will be in the prize pool type of thing. Like, they probably have no idea. Then when they see the number up, they're like, oh, that's actually quite a bit of money, mm-hmm. even if the guarantee is, like, always met, you know, but, but they don't think about that beforehand. So it is nice to – But
2: would that encourage you to play or not to play that number? I guess that's my question.
3: It has a... – yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why I ask asking. Yeah, I, I've gone a couple of them where I know the price pool is going to be fifty or $100,000 because I don't get to see that all the time okay. locally. And it's like, by like the time I ran up with you guys, that one didn't bother me so much. But I think there was a guarantee on it. And that made it interesting. Right. And well, you
2: were driving, well, I was driving 16 hours or something to get there. So I I was story, driving right? that far, but yeah. Yeah, I'm more concerned about the folks yeah. like in Toledo, in Detroit, in, in that easy driving market, right? Mm-hmm. Where... It's not a commitment to make that drive, and it certainly attracts that. Versus the, let's say the Columbus, Cleveland, Indianapolis crowd, maybe not Indianapolis, but a little bit farther out of that. Now, now it's they're making a commitment for that day, or, or even farther away, right? But yeah, they're making a serious commitment, booking hotel rooms, uh,
1: and major tournament guarantees. I mean, they look at Firekeepers, not too far away from going. Now, Firekeeper's a hell of an operation. They uh, they run an excellent tournament. They do great events. Uh, a couple times a year, they're running a million-dollar guarantee, and, and I'd imagine that number in that area has attracted a lot of people to make the drive. It's not – I mean, Firekeeper's in, is in less of an area than Toledo is, yeah, yeah. but it's close to everything. It's situated uh, exactly halfway between Chicago and Detroit. So, I mean, they get a lot of pull from places where people actually
2: do live. Which goes back to the, this is more of a geographical, mm-hmm. right? Because we, we yeah. talked about this at the TDA. Like Sean McCormick from ARIA got up there and said, hey, there are 40 other poker rooms in this city. I mm-hmm. got to do what I got to do to keep people in my room because it's too easy for them to walk next door versus a casino in the middle of nowhere where
1: it's the only place to play. So If firekeepers didn't do that, they would probably uh, lose a lot of their uh, business. To, uh, the Chicago casinos running their major events, and they run lots of major events. So, I mean, if they didn't make their mark, they wouldn't get the attention.
2: All right, we're gonna wrap up here. I just uh want to thank Sean and and uh, Big Joe and Elliot for joining us uh on not only on the show but on the cruise as well. Um, uh, we got three more coming up, but we got a four nighter in April out of Tampa over Easter weekend. Both uh, Joe and Elliot are gonna be on there, and we Absolutely. haven't talked Sean into it yet, but. It's not a really well, anniversary, no. right? Anniversary and a half, maybe. We'll see. Um next uh May 2nd will be a fifteen nighter transatlantic to Amsterdam. We also got some good bookings and I think we talked big Joe into the coming on that as well, too. So I'm feeling pretty excited. We're gonna have enough to make that happen. I hope so because I've been planning my post-Amsterdam party while I was on this cruise. And then uh, a year from now in October we'll be doing a seven nighter out of Galveston. So go to Annieupcruises.com, get all that information and book. And uh, we'll be back next week with our regular show. But, yeah, uh, I need
3: I need that April cruise to make diamonds so I can go. Yeah, i a diamond. Get all your free drinks. You get a free drink for change. <laughs> oh, God.
2: Awesome. All right, well, thank you, guys, and uh, we'll see you on a future cruise. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.
0: AntiUp is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the PodSafe Music Network.